last week. And this time frame, as I stood before you, I talked about our church being at a crossroads. That as we stood to consider, and after lunch, immediately after this service last, uh, last week, and then after that, the town hall meeting that we had to ask questions relative to the report that our vision task force laid out for us, I said that we were at a crossroads as a church. Before that day was over, you as a church, in a, an overwhelmingly positive vote, took a step beyond the crossroads onto a road that says, this is where we believe God has us to go. So with that in mind, as we come to this today, the questions may well be filtering into our thoughts. Okay, so what next? What do we do now? What specifically, what are the, the, those down, boots on the ground level kind of things must we do now tactically to f- carry forth and to achieve those things that we now have identified as our mission objectives? I want to answer definitively into those questions, what next? This. I believe that we should chase fire. Take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Acts, chapter 1. Typically, when we come to talk about fire, we don't think that it fits that we talk about chasing fire. As a matter of fact, most of us can go way back into our childhood days, our days in public school and elementary class, especially when we practice regularly fire drills. You remember those days? I always wanted those to come right before a teacher gave us a difficult test. By the way, they were all difficult tests for me. So I was hoping for a regular fire drill schedule. Fire drills, by definition, say don't run into the fire, don't chase fire, evacuate instead. That's true for us. When we, so we go back there and we think about chasing fire. That doesn't fit. So maybe we think about modern examples, and especially last year as we watched on video images, as people in California abandoned their homes and sometimes everything that they owned as they ran away from fire as those wildfires swept through their neighborhoods. It's counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense for us to talk about chasing fire. Even those people among us who, who has, as a vocation, they have decided that they will be the ones to fight fires. And when we run from and evacuate away from fires, those individual men and women run into the fire. But to a person, if you ask them what's the best approach as it relates to fire, they would tell you fire prevention makes better sense. So what do I mean and why would I take this particular tack today as we talk about what do we do next as a church? Well, I take this idea of chasing fire, and it applies into our everyday spiritual lives. I take this from some good biblical base points as it relates to seeing God's presence symbolically as 
fire. You could join me over in Exodus 13. Probably don't have time to turn there by the time I get through reading it. We'll be moving on. But in Exodus 13, as the children of Israel are making their way out of Egypt, actually they're out of Egypt by that time. They're trying to get to the promised land, but there is this wilderness time that they have. And in that wilderness time, we have this picture in Exodus 13, verse 21, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire, and by night the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. That is a standalone verse for us that helps us to get a mental peg, if you will, a construct around which we can discuss about how we go forward as a church. Put yourself into the lives of uh, the lifestyle of those children of Israel during that time. You have a makeshift tent. You're living out in the wilderness. And as you wake up in the middle of the night, there is this glow of a fire on the edge of the camp. It represents the presence of God with those people, the direction of God for those people. Imagine that one night you wake up to clamor all around you and you look and see that that glow is a little bit further removed than it had been the previous night. It's a signal to you and everybody else that God is moving them forward and it's time to fold up tent and fold up shop and move forward and chase the fire of God as he moves them definitively to their promised land chasing fire. We could jump over even further, in this time into the New Testament, a chapter removed from where our text is today. In Acts chapter 2, in those first couple of verses, we will find that the presence of God takes the form of symbolically this, this tongue of fire, multiple tongues of fire as it gathers and goes towards those people gathered at that day of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit. I would suggest to you that those children of Israel, of the Old Testament, and those new disciples in the New Testament recognize that fire as presence of God in a fresh way for them. That brings us to our text today, and it brings us to the reality of our time. I want to talk today about the need for us to chase the presence of God, chasing fire, I want us to do so with the awareness that we are in what I like to call the in-between times today. We're in Acts chapter 1. We'll begin reading in just a few moments. But as we do that, let me just pause and invite you in to the discussion today. It's possible when we talk about these in-between times that some of us here today, as individuals, are in between times in our relationship with God. It may well be that some of us here today have, have a sense uh, of being spiritually dry. You, you look backwards and you see that there are those, those times with God that you seem to be closer to Him in relationship than you are today. We, we may well be people here today who have loved ones who are in that situation. And as we consider our loved ones who seem to be moving away from God rather than towards him, even though there was that point in their life where they were close with God, it may be that we're in between times on their behalf asking God, surely you're not finished working on them. As a church, as individuals, these in-between times can be 
difficult. As we wait to see what God is going to do and wants us to do, what do we do? I say those are great times to chase fire. Four principles that we draw out of this text today that I think help us in these kind of times, whether it's the collective body of First Baptist Church as we say, okay, we're not sure what's next. We know something's coming, but we're in this in-between time, or maybe it's in our own spiritual life. Four different principles here that help us to maximize the moment, the first three verses, these words. In the first book of Theophilus, I, that is Luke, Dr. Luke, the physician, the writer of the first gospel, excuse me, of the gospel with his name on it, and also this history of the early church. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. As we come to this, here's the first principle. We need to, in these in-between times, we need to be aware and embrace the reality that God is still at work. You know, when Teresa and I lived in South Texas, we often would take the drive from where we lived to South Padre Island. Now, I don't know if you've been to South Padre, South Padre Island or not. I suspect from my experience on the beaches of Texas that South Padre Island has the most going for it than any other. Although I love the El Paso beaches, the one in South Padre Island has water attached to it. It was about an hour and 20 minutes from our house to South Padre Island, and so it gave us the opportunity to go on a regular basis. We would sometimes even go down for the evening and spend an evening down on the beach and eating great seafood and then making our way home. But one of the things that, that happened, my mother loved the beach. She just loved going to the beach, and I didn't. And so she would often say, can I take your kids to the beach? And I would say, please do. It would be great. And they would load up, and they would go down there. And occasionally I would go with them. But when I went, I did different. Mom played in the sand and the kids and mom played in the water. I I didn't care too much for any of that stuff. I like to just kind of sit back at a distance and watch the waves. Let me give you an incredibly insightful statement about what happens at the beach. The waves come in in waves. I know that that's a deep truth. I'm going to let it sink in for you really well. Here's what I mean by that. I could get lost. It was kind of therapeutic, if I was to be really honest with you, to sit there and just watch the waves come in off the Gulf of Mexico. And they just come in. A wave would come in, and another one would come in, another one. And as long as I would sit there, that pattern would reproduce itself over and over and over again. I think it's important that we capture some of that because in our own spiritual lives, in those in-between times for us, when maybe it seems like God is not quite as present as he has been at other times, or maybe it seems like our our fellowship level with him is not quite as vibrant as it has been, I, I go back in my mind to those times on the island as I watch those waves come in. Because with every wave that came, that came in, there would be another one behind it, but it would take a little bit before the next one came in. And there were these in-between-the-waves times. 
That's not a bad explanation of what we find in those first three of the Acts of the Apostles. He says in those first three verses that we just read that Jesus, who had been there with those disciples in the flesh, God in the flesh, and for three years plus, he had walked with them and he had taught them and he had brought them along into the way of the Lord. But that was changing. That had changed. Jesus was crucified, and then he was resurrected. And after that, we find this account in the Gospels of this in-between time, between the time that Jesus was resurrected and the time that he ascended. He was still at work. That's what Luke tells us in these first three verses. He looked different. His appearance was different. But he continued to do the work of discipling his disciples. God was still at work. And sometimes we get in situations, even as a church, we get in situations where we kind of lose sight of the fact that God is still working. And we work and we push and we get a, a, a task force set of recommendations. And we get those passed and then there could easily be this sense of, well, we got that done and so now we sit back. But that's not the way God works. We may not have all of the tactical I's dotted and T's crossed, but we know that God is still at work and there's still work for us to do. And if you happen to be here today and someone in your life is in an in-between time and God doesn't seem that real for them, you settle into this reality. God is still at work in those people. He loves them more than you do, even. Sometimes... It's hard to trace God's hand. We, we, we can accept mentally that we're in an in-between time and he's still at work, but it's hard to find his hand at work. So if that's the case for you, let me just take you to a real-life analogy of that. I, I drive into work nearly every day of the week, not quite, but almost that. And I come in from the west side, and so I get on Interstate 10 and I make my way around uh, the edge of town, get to the downtown area, and then I exit right by the ballpark down there. And, and as I come across there off that feeder road, I come all the way down to Stanton, and I come up, and then I make my way to the church. But for about 15 seconds there, I have the opportunity every day to see a building project that's at work. The West Star Bank Tower is being constructed. Now, at last glance, which for me was just this morning, if I counted correctly in 15 seconds as I was driving by, hoping that the light didn't turn while I was counting floors, there's six floors that have already been built. But you know, in my daily commute where I only see that for 15 seconds at a time, most days it looks like nothing's happening in that construction project. You don't get to see much in 15 seconds, really, especially if they happen to be working on the interior part of those building, those floors, and trying to begin to get everything in place so that they can go even higher. 15 seconds doesn't show you much. So over a 15-month period, I don't think they've been building quite that long, but I can see and I can look back and I can see the progress as they began to break ground and then they began to dig down and then they began to put footers down and then they began to add floors on top of that. If we take the long look of our spiritual growth and our spiritual lives, we will find that there is evidence that God is still at work, even in the times 
when we're in a 15 second between the times and it doesn't look like it. Settle in to the truth that God is still at work. Last week, our church stepped for going, and that pushed us into an in-between time. What now? And my answer to what now is chase fire. Here's the second point that we find, the second principle that we find in this little passage. It comes out of verses 4 and 5. And this is another wave that's coming. Let me, before I read that, let me just make sure that we're on the same page. Jesus has been present with these disciples for all of this time. He's been teaching them, but something different is coming. Verses 4 and 5, he says this, Luke does. And while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This is such a significant point of reference. There's an entire sermon series built into those couple of verses. So for today, I'll just keep it very short and highlight what I think we see there. Jesus signals to them that a change is coming. The nature of in-between times is that something was and something else will be, and we find ourselves in between those times, and our anxiety can get pretty high, and the reason it can get pretty high is because all of us have a very strong need to know what's next. Jesus gives his disciples this clarion call. Wait and see. Oh, that's hard. (laughs) That's hard because we just like to know. What are you going to do? What are you not going to do? What's going to change? What's not going to change? We love those kind of questions because we tend to have our particular areas staked out. I'll get to that in just a moment. So let's just kind of cut to the chase as it relates to this one. Chasing fire is all about positioning If we seek after the heart of God, we do so from a point of smart positioning. We don't want to be out of place whenever God speaks to us. We don't want to miss something when God acts. For instance, take us back to those children of Israel in the wilderness trail. They don't want to be sleeping through the middle of the night when that pillar of fire representing God's presence says, hey, we need to be on the move. It's a matter of positioning for us. Our report emphasized that. The task force report emphasized, first of all, that we want to double down, if you will. Let's wait. I can't, that's, a pre, that's not a preacher term, double down, is it? We want to invest ourselves as a church where prayer is a critical element of what we do. That's a positioning thing, prayer is. We want to be a church that listens for the voice of God. And so we emphasized in that report that discipleship will be of supreme focus for us. We'll talk a lot about what discipleship means. I, I like the way one person said it for us, positioning as it relates to that, is that we want to be so in tune with the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that the slightest whisper of God sounds like a peal of thunder in our spirit. Jesus said to his disciples, stay in Jerusalem because something else is coming. 
it's going to be better. The Holy Spirit's going to come, and instead of me being with you, he, the God in the Spirit, will be in you, he says. Don't miss it. Don't be wandering out in the countryside. Or don't be stuck at home and not paying attention. I'm moving, he says. I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says as it relates to us as Christian people. In an age in which discipleship, many church writers would say that in an age of church life when discipleship is one of those things that only the elite Christians do, Bonhoeffer says this, and it's worth repeating for us and hearing by us today, a Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. You can't be a follower of Jesus Christ without being in the process of being transformed by him. So we choose to follow Jesus closely. And in this in-between time, while we're waiting to hear his voice, we're committed to being in position to hear his voice. And in so doing, we chase fire. The third principle here, and I know that many of you are hungry. You're ready to go to the picnic. So let's stick with it and almost finish here. The third principle that we find comes out of verses 6 and 7. Here's the principle. I'll give it to you before I read because I want you to see it bubble out of the text. If we're to chase fire in these in-between times, we need to refine our perspectives and our agendas. Verses 6 and 7, it says, So when they had come together, they, that is the disciples, asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Do you catch what they've done? They've doubled down into their own agenda. They asked the question that's growing out of their Jewish nationalistic fervor. We want to be kings of the planet. We, your people, you promised us. And so we want to be the ones in charge of all. Is now the time that you're going to do that? And Jesus, let me give you shorthand what Jesus says, and then we'll read what he really said. Jesus responds to them in no uncertain terms. Their question is, is now the time that we get to be in charge? And Jesus says, nunya. You know what nunya means? It means none of your business. Well, that seemed a little harsh, right? Well, look at what Jesus says. Verse 7, and he said to them, it is not for you to know the times of the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. In other words, nunya. We want to know. And Jesus says, it's none of your business. You see, here's the reality for us. (laughs) We have this high level of need to know, but we have an even higher level of need to control. But by definition, if God is saying there's a new thing coming, we have a choice to make. Will we go with God or will we camp out where we've always been for some people? And I totally get that. I really do understand that. Because we usually prefer what we know to what we don't know. 
So let me take you to the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, and we read these words that God gives to Isaiah to say, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Here's a good thing for us to remember. In the in-between times, when there are so many unanswered questions, we need to be able to settle in to the godness of God. This is his kingdom. That's where the disciples missed it. Are you going to do what we want you to do now? Is it going to be us now? And Jesus says it's really none of your business. This is under the authority of God. And here's the thing that helps us through the uncertainty of those times. God only does what's best. He doesn't traffic in the it'll do. He traffics in the this is best for you. It's best for my kingdom. It's best for my children. It's best for you. So if you're one of those people who has a loved one who is in between times and they're not quite where they ought to be with God, don't miss the fact that God has a plan for them. And so you settle into his plan and you trust his heart. When we're navigating those in-between times, the best thing we can do is chase fire. Check our agendas and our perceptions and chase God himself. That leads me to the last one. This is verse 8. The last principle for these times for us, I think, is that we adopt his methodology. Notice what he says. This is verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Power is a big word. You will receive power. It's a word that is such a big word in Greek that instead of trying to improve on it in English, we just pulled the Greek word right over into English. It's the word dynamite. And you will receive dynamite. Oh, man, I could do some things with some dynamite. (laughs) That's my problem, is I could do some things with dynamite. This is not dynamite, dynamite. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, divine power comes to bear not just in your life, but through your life into this world in which we live. It's a Holy Spirit thing. And he brings power for our lives. And he brings not just power, but power with a purpose. One more time, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. This emphasizes our God-given calling. We are called to be his witnesses. Our vision task force, and I have preached this since last August, September, I guess, that the, the vision that we have, just stated a different way from what we find right there, but it is a divine kind of a vision. We say that we will connect people with the love and the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus says it more succinctly. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. 
in the between times while we're waiting to hear what God says specifically and tactically about how to flesh out those pieces of our vision task force report with recommendations, we can be sure that we must be about the task of being his witnesses. Can I just say with all the love that I can pull together here, you can't be witness to something that you don't experience. And that means that we need to always be chasing fire, the presence of God in our lives, that we seek to draw close to him. And the Holy Spirit, as we find in Acts chapter 2, those cloven tongues of fire that settled on each one of them, the presence of God with us and in us begins to push us out into a community that needs us to be great bridge builders with the good news of Jesus Christ. So will you chase fire? I'll close with the lyrics of a song by Hillsong Worship. They capture something of what we're talking about today with this song, I think. Here's the lyrics. Ready at the line, looking out, looking out to all that's ahead. When every heart confesses your name, we're pressing on towards that day. We're never going to stop. Letting go of every mistake, throwing off the chains of restraint, and all that will remain a passion for your name Burning as we run this race, we're never going to stop. We're running, chasing after all that you are. We're running because all that you are is all that we want. Are you chasing fire? Where's God in your life today? If you don't know Jesus Christ on a personal level, that's where your chase ends, actually, when you submit yourself to Jesus Christ, God's chosen one to bring salvation, to bring fulfillment, to repair the relationship that sin causes in your life and breaks you away from him. Jesus Christ is the fix. That's where the chase ends for us when we're chasing life. But that relationship that we get through him and only him sets up this lifestyle for us where we have the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to guide every phase of your life. Do you have that? If you don't have that, why not? It's free. It only costs you everything. If you don't understand that, We'd love to explain it for you. This invitation time that we go into is geared towards that to give you the opportunity to respond to the call of God in your life. And if you don't know Jesus, now's the time for that. We'd love to share him with you. Many of us have that relationship, but we may sense that we're in between times. Maybe the fellowship is not as strong as it has been. Maybe we think that God's mad at us. Maybe we think we aged out of his service. At this point, on this day, you can start chasing fire again and listen to the voice. We pray that you would redeem people today. We pray that you would help us to listen to your voice and commit ourselves to a lifestyle of that. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.